Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lands. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 3, chapter 18. And so they made a covenant together, David because he lo- with David because he loved him as he loved his own soul. You know, the Lord's made a covenant with you. It's called the new covenant. And he made the covenant with you because he loves you. The Bible says, for God so loved the world. But Paul said, he loved me, Galatians 2.20, and he gave himself up for me. See, God cares about individuals, folks. I'm going to park here for a second. Last Wednesday night, I got to share my personal testimony with the youth group while Pastor Mill was here teaching. And I was listening to Ravi Zacharias, and he was saying that one of the beauties of uh, the Christian faith, among the many majestic things that we could talk about about Christ, is that he cared about individuals. Think about this. He went through Samaria to pursue a woman. We call her the woman at the well. He wasn't supposed to talk to her. He wasn't supposed to go through Samaria She had had five husbands. She was a rejected woman because women in that day did not have the right to divorce their husbands. So we think of her as Elizabeth Taylor or some movie star that married over and over and over again. But she was really a rejected woman. Five husbands had divorced her for whatever reasons. And she was now with a man who was not her husband. And Jesus had to pass through Samaria. Do you remember when he is traveling in Luke 19 and there's a little wee man up in the tree, his name is Zacchaeus, and he's the chief tax collector and he's a hated guy. He's wealthy but hated and he's up in the tree trying to get a look and Jesus stops the procession and says, Zacchaeus, I must come to your house today. And the people were grumbling, how could he go to the house of a man like that? He didn't come to my house for lunch. How could he go to his house for lunch? And off they walked together. And salvation came to that household because he too was a son of Abraham. And then Jesus said these famous words, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Listen, he's come to seek and to save. He sought out Zacchaeus. Think of the rich young ruler. Uh, He runs up to Jesus. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus gives him the commandments, his response. Well, I've kept all these from my youth. What do I still lack? Jesus says, go and sell everything you have. Give it to the poor. You'll have treasures in heaven and come and follow me. The young man wouldn't. His face fell. He had many possessions and he took off. Jesus did not chase him down. I don't know what happened to the rich young ruler. I hope he came to his senses But the Bible tells us in one of the Gospels that Jesus loved him. He loved him. Jesus cares about you and me. In fact, he cares about you so much, he made a covenant that was cut with his own blood. That's how much he cares about you. He paid the price that animals used to pay in the Hebrew scriptures. Now he paid it. He's the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world, but he takes away your sin and my sin. It's personal, you guys. It amazes me that 
The planet's filled with, what, 7 billion people. I've heard that 1 billion of them are believers, maybe more. But that God takes the time to care about me. I shared with you Sunday how I was sitting on my computer one night. I needed to hear from the Lord. And a brother emailed me a scripture at that very moment. Does that not just blow your mind that God cares about us that much? And he has cut a covenant. In the Hebrew picture language, the word means the sign of my son, the word berit or uh, covenant, or it can mean the cross of my son. You put the Hebrew letters together, that's what the Hebrew picture language means for covenant. Listen, it's, the covenant is about the cross of my son. So every time you think about the covenant that God has made with you, it's all about the cross. Now look at what David does. Or excuse me, what Jonathan does. And Jonathan stripped himself or took off the robe. And I, we would say this is the royal robe, one that made him the heir. He's the prince, the heir to the throne that was on him. And what did he do? He took off his robe and he gave it to David. And you're starting to see what the covenant is about. You know what Jonathan's doing? He's saying in essence this belongs to you. Now, if you were the son of the king and you were in line for the throne, would you give up your royal right to another man? But David loved him and he had an insight from the Lord that this was the anointed one. This was the rightful king. And so what does Jonathan do? He takes off the royal robe. He gives it to David. He takes with his armor, including his sword and his bow and his belt. And he gives David the clothing or the armament of royalty. He says, this is yours. I'm not going to hold on to it because I know who you are. You're the anointed one. And when Jesus was being mocked, he was uh, brought before Herod. And uh, there's some uh, indications that it was Herod's royal robe that was placed on Jesus as he was being mocked by the soldiers. And they didn't really know what they were doing, but when they put the robe of royalty on Jesus, in one way they were fulfilling this prophecy because the royal robe belongs on him, not on Herod, not on Pilate, not on anybody else, not even the Caesar of Rome. The rightful heir was being beaten and he took our place. And so David um, has this beautiful thing done to him by Jonathan and I just don't want to rush past um, the beauty of Jonathan's character. At the end of 1 Samuel, Jonathan will die at the hand, hands of the Philistines Saul will do his best to kill David, but he can't kill the anointed one because he's going to sit on the throne. And Jonathan, in the end, gives up his life for his friend. So David went out, look at verse 5, wherever Saul sent him and prospered. And Saul set him over the men of war. And it was pleasing in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. So, now Saul uh, commissions him, and, and whatever David did, he prospered. The Torah says in Deuteronomy 29.1, So keep the words 
of this covenant to do them that you may prosper in all that you do. In Joshua 1, 8 and 9, it says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have success. And God says to Joshua, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Turn to Psalm 1. To your right, hold your finger in 1 Samuel 18, Psalm 1, verse 1. Many of the Psalms are attributed to David. I don't think we know for sure who wrote the opening chapter, although um, I would lean towards David here. And David says in Psalm 1, verse 1, How blessed, if it is David, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, Psalm 1, verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates, how often? Day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither, and whatever he does, he prospers. And David was prospering. Every assignment, back to 1 Samuel 18, that Saul gave him, he prospered. And the people were acknowledging this. They were saying, look at this man. He's impressive. Not only has he beaten the Philistine champion, but he's our champion. And people, there's an affinity now to David. There's a love for him. He's climbing in military rank. And it happened, verse 6, 1 Samuel 18, as they were coming When David returned from killing the Philistine, we're going now back to the scene of the day when this happened, that the women came out of all the cities of Israel. So we had kind of an overview. Now we're back to the day when the battle occurred. Verse 6, the women came out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with their tambourines, with joy and with musical instruments. If you can just think about the context of what was happening Word was coming back to the villages that there's this uh, Philistine champion and we're dead. Nobody can beat him. I'm sure it was hitting the newspapers every morning. Philistine champion taunts Israel for another day on all the talk shows late night. Nobody, nobody's been willing to take him on. There he is. <laughs> Come on. Nobody. And all of a sudden, this young man has delivered the nation. Remember I told you that David is a type of Christ? Well, David becomes a deliverer. And the women of the city, whose husbands and sons, and you know, think of all the familial relationships of people that were on the battlefield, potentially going to die in war or become slaves to the Philistines, David has set them free. He's delivered them. So you can imagine the joy when the conquering army returned to the city. The women, they went out. They were so grateful for what David had done, and they started to sing. They were singing, verse 6. They were dancing, came out to meet the king with tambourines, with joy, with musical instruments. A hopeless nation was now full of hope again. I'm sure there were many grateful hearts that day. Uh, Anybody who's been involved in any kind of war, just think about somebody returning from the battlefield and how grateful you are to see them again, not knowing if they will live or die, and now they've come home. And you find out that one man stepped up to take on uh, this fearsome giant, and he's he's brought deliverance to the nation. You'd want to 
thank him, wouldn't you? And so there's, this is better than a championship parade. Because in championship parades for sports, what are they celebrating? A city celebrates a champion of the NBA. And everybody goes crazy, and yeah, it's, uh, there's a ticker tape parade. And what's that for? Because we are the champion in basketball. But imagine what this parade meant to them. Our, our sons, our husbands have come home. This is about life and limb. This is about military success. And the women sang as they played, and they said, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands. Now, the idea is they, they sang it over and over again, and they, uh, they would sing these songs. And I don't think they're trying to put Saul down. I think they're celebrating David, almost like David and Saul are one in military victory. But by saying these words, Saul didn't particularly like the song selection. And verse 8 says, Saul became very angry. For this saying displeased him, and he said, They have ascribed to David ten thousands, but to me they have ascribed thousands. Now what more can he have but the kingdom? You see, Saul knew that David was rising in the nation and he didn't like it. But Saul had already been told, you're not going to have the throne anymore. The kingdom is gone. And Saul could have, at this point, acquiesced and said, okay, if this is your man, Lord, this is a hard thing to do, isn't it? If this is the guy that you're raising up, I'm I'm going to submit to him. But, But for years to come, Saul will not do that. He will chase David. He will be a thorn in David's side. He couldn't handle that he didn't get the majority credit. He was getting credit. I mean, he was in the song. (laughs) David was the one that beat Goliath, not Saul. But he just couldn't handle it that David was getting more credit. You know, Pilate knew that it was because of envy that the religious leaders turned Jesus over to him. He knew it was because they were jealous The pagan ruler knew why Jesus was dying that day. Because they could not stand this man to rule over them. They would not have the rightful king rule over them. And Jesus said, this city that you think is so impressive, this temple that you laud is so wonderful, in 38 years, it will be broken to the ground and not one stone will be upon another. And all the things that we hold on to, you know, we're afraid to let go of. Sometimes they become rubble anyway. And Saul was angry. Saul could not celebrate. He did not try to play off his displeasure. And Saul looked, verse 9, or he eyed David with suspicion from that day on. That's a miserable place to be, isn't it? You know somebody like that? They've got this person that's a nemesis in their life. And let me just say this to you. If you're being eaten up by someone who's your rival, the skeleton at the feast is you. And that's what happened to Saul. Instead of focusing on the victory for the nation and the success that he enjoyed, he allowed David's success to eat him up. And David 
tried to honor him as king, but Saul looked on him with suspicion. And it came about on the next day, verse 10, and this is what happens to you when you let suspicion and envy eat you up, that an evil spirit from God came mightily upon Saul. It used to be Saul had the Holy Spirit come mightily upon him, and he raved. There are some scholars that believe that the NIV and New King James having this as prophesied can be correct, but the prophecy is by means of a false spirit. So he may be prophesying or raving, but the, the origin of it is evil. And he's raving about in the house, in the midst of the house, while David was playing his, the harp with his hand as usual. And a spear, <laughs> David had an instrument in his hand, and Saul had an instrument in his hand as well. He had a spear. And David was playing, and normally when David played, as we saw in chapter 16, the, there would be a wellness that would come over Saul, and the spirit would depart from him. But this time, man, Saul is just full of anger and rage. And Saul, verse 11, hurled the spear, and he thought, and maybe this is what he prophesied, I will pin David to the wall. But David escaped from his presence. Note this in your Bible. Twice. I don't know if that means you're playing, if it's a guitar or whatever you're playing, nice worship song. Whoa! Exit stage, right? Okay, maybe he didn't mean it. I'm gonna, would you do that? It would only take one time for me. But it happened twice. I don't know if he ducked and tried to keep playing. You know, there are some worship leaders that will keep playing no matter what happens. I used to be on a worship team. They would say, you never stop playing. Never. Because if you stop playing, there's no way to recover from the train wreck. And I remember in the early days being on a worship team, and sometimes we just stopped and we apologized because we were so out of sync that there was no way to hide it. And we just uh, stop. Somebody finally said, "Stop!" Just a couple spears we tucked. <laughs> Let's start over again. Anyway, when Jesus came to his hometown of Nazareth, he preached in the synagogue, and people were uh, enthralled with the wonderful words that fell from his lips. And then he began to speak about times of old and how. God did certain works with certain people and overlooked others. And the people in the synagogue of Nazareth became so upset, they took him to the brow of the hill and they intended to throw him off. And the Bible says, and Jesus simply passed by. I don't know what he did, if he froze the room or what he did to get by. But David, the anointed one, remember we're looking at shadows and types he is able to escape and evade Saul. And Saul, look at verse uh, 12, was afraid of David. For the Lord was with him. Wouldn't you think that the next verse would say David was afraid of Saul? But the next verse says that Saul was afraid of David. Do you know that there's some people in your life, you're a Christian, you cramp their style. You're kind of like that light that comes into their darkness. And maybe they lash out at you, but do you know something? This may be an insight for some of you. 
They're probably more afraid of you than you should be of them. They don't like the light that you have. Maybe that's why they react the way that they do. See, Saul knew that the Lord was with David and had departed from Saul. And literally the language here is that Saul feared David's face. Therefore, Saul removed him from his presence. Banished him seems to be the idea, but not fully. But he said, get out of here and appointed him as a commander, as his commander of a thousand. This is a possible demotion because in verse 5, it says David was over the army. And now in this verse, he's over a thousand. So it may be that Saul has tried to demote him. And maybe there's even a little slap in the face with the thousand number. And he went out. And he came in before the people, and David was prospering in all his ways, for the Lord was with him. When Saul saw that he was prospering greatly, he dreaded him. The language here literally stood in awe of his face. But all Israel and Judah loved David, the whole nation. And he went out, and he came in before them, before the face of the people. I can't help but think of Jesus when... All the masses were uh, just trying to touch him. So many people loved Jesus in Israel. Uh, think of all the people that he had healed, all the lives that he had touched. And how many people were wounded when just a few people hated him so much that they you know, pushed him really to the cross. So many people loved the greater David in Israel. Here it says, all Israel and Judah They loved him, but Saul did not. He's a type of the religious leader. And Jesus in Revelation 2 says to the church at Ephesus, you know, you you do well. You cannot endure evil men. You put them to the test who call themselves apostles and they are not. You found them to be false. You have perseverance and you've endured for my namesake and you've not grown weary, but I have this against you. Remember what he said? That you have left your first love. That's Revelation 2, verse 4. There are some scholars that think that maybe uh, Jesus is speaking of people's love for one another. But I think the best way to take this is that people had lost some love for God in Ephesus. They loved doctrine. They loved debate. They took some... uh, Impressive stands against false teachers. But they lost love for the Lord. You know, that part jumped out at me because I started thinking back to a fire when Jesus looked at his chief spokesman, Peter, and he said to him three times, Peter, do you love me? I think it's, it's good for Christians every now and then seasoned Christians, which I know this room is full of, to take just another look at that. Do you love me more than these? You know, Peter was the guy that said, "Uh, you know, if everybody forsakes you, I will not. You know, he was proud. Satan had gotten in there. And I think it's always good to revisit your love for God. Saul said to David, here's my older daughter, Merab. I will give her to you as wife. Now, the guy who killed the uh, giant was supposed to get all this stuff. Chapter 17, verse 25 says he would get riches, he would get a wife, he would live tax-free. I don't know if Saul followed through on that. 
He said, I will give you her as a wife, 17. Only be a valiant man for me and fight the Lord's battles. For Saul thought, my hand shall not be against him. I can't seem to pin him to the wall at the family dinner. (laughs) But let the hand of the Philistines be against him. Here's how we'll get it done. The, the body of Christ is about loving one another. We know we've passed out of death into life because we love God's people. Jonathan and David made a covenant together because they loved each other. And that covenant is recorded in 1 Samuel 18, verse 3. And uh, there's a great exchange between these two. Jonathan stripped himself of, of the robe that was on him, gave it to David with his armor, including his sword and his bow and his belt. You know, it's amazing, but I think what Jonathan was saying is, I recognize that you're going to be the king. And even though Jonathan technically was the heir to the throne, of course, Saul had lost the throne. David was going to take the throne. But Jonathan was so humble that he said, look, this is yours. Rightfully, this is yours. Another sign of friendship is to see each other see others as more important than ourselves. That's a hard thing to do, but then when we're living out the command to love God and love others as we would love ourselves, it becomes much easier. This again is something that you do by the power of the Holy Spirit. So we have a brand new year ahead of us and what a great goal to make one new vital important friendship with a fellow believer. If you're not a believer, then your first goal is to get to know the one who will become both Savior, Lord, and friend. His name is Jesus. Have you met him? Hi, this is Pastor Michael, and I just wanted to take a moment to thank you for listening to Living Truth Radio. And, you know, when we're doing radio, folks, um, it's a little hard to tell who's listening. And we'd like to be able to uh, hear from our listening audience. And we're not asking for anything other than just drop us an email and let us know uh, if the program has been a blessing to you. We'd certainly like to hear from you. We're always looking how to best spend our stewardship dollars in terms of the ministry of radio. And so we'd like to know uh, how we're doing. And drop the email to office at livingtruthcorona.org. That's office at livingtruthcorona.org. And just let us know who you are and if you've been listening, if the program's been a blessing to you. That would really help us out, and that would be a blessing to us just to hear from some of our radio listeners. So again, drop an email to office at livingtruthcorona.org. Org. Thank you so much for listening and praying for us and supporting us if you can. And we uh, are very appreciative of the body of Christ and pray that the Lord will bless you and your family. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at Living Truth Corona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.